The Hound of the Baskervilles by A. Colin Doyle. Chapter 9 The Light Upon the Moor. Second Report of Dr. Watson. Baskerville Hall, October 15th. My dear Holmes, if I am compelled to leave you without much news during the early days of my mission, imagine the knowledge I am making up for a loss of time. And the electric events are now crowding thick and fast upon us. In my last report, I ended upon my top note, a very more at the window. Now I am quite a budget already, which will, unless I am most mistaken, considerably surprise you. Things are taking a turn which I could not have anticipated. In some ways, they have, within the last 48 hours, become much clearer. In some ways, they have become more complicated. But I will tell you all, and you shall judge for yourself. <clears throat> Before breakfast on the morning following my adventure, I went down the corridor and examined the room which Bermond had been on the night before. The western window through which he had stared so intently was unnoticed one peculiar above all other windows in the house. Commands the nearest outlook on to the moor. There is an opening between two trees that enables one with point of view to look down right upon it while there are from all the other windows is only a distant glimpse of which can be attained. It follows therefore that Barrymore, since only this window could serve the purpose, purpose must have been looking out for something or somebody upon the moor. Night was very dark, so I could hardly imagine how he could have seen, hoped to see anyone. It struck me that it was possible that some lonely tree was on the foot. That would have accounted for his stealthy movements and also for the easiness of his wife. Man is strikingly good look, good looking, striking looking fellow, very well equipped to steal the heart of a country girl. So that this fairy seemed to have something to support it. The opening of the door, which I heard after I returned to my room, might mean he had gone out to keep some testing appointment. So I reasoned for myself in the morning. I would tell you in the direction of my suspicions, however much the result may have shown that you were unfounded. But whatever the true explanation of the Barrymore's experiments must be, I felt that the responsibility of keeping them to myself until I could explain them was more than I could bear. At the interview with the Baronet in his study after breakfast, I told him all I had to have seen. He was less surprised than expected. I knew that Barrymore had walked about nights. I had a mind to speak to him about it, said he. Two and three nights have heard his steps and passage coming and going just about the name hour or your, your name. Perhaps then he pays a visit every night to that particular window, I suggested. Perhaps he does. If so, we should be able to shadow him and see what it is that he's after. I wonder what our friend Holmes would do if he were here. I believe he would do exactly what you now suggest, said I. He would follow Barrymore and see what he did. Then we shall do it together, but surely he would hear us. Man is rather deaf in any case. We'll take our, our chance on that. Of that, we sit up in my room tonight and wait until he passes. So Henry rubbed his hands of pleasure. It was evident that he held the adventure as a relief to a somewhat quiet life upon the moor. Bernard had been the communication of the architect, who prepared the plans of Sir Charles, contractor from London, so he might expect great changes to begin here soon. Then decorate his and furnishes up from Plymouth. It's evident that our friend 
With large ideas and means to spare no meat pains, with Spencer stored the grandeur of his family. The house is renovated and refurnished. All that you need would be his wife to make it complete. Between ourselves, there are pretty clear signs that his will be not wanting the women his ladies with him. I have seldom seen a man be more frustrated than a woman than he is with our beautiful neighbour, Miss Stapleton. And yet the course of true love does not quite run run as quite as smoothly as one would under circumstances suspect. Lady Zumpel's surface was broken by a very unexpected ripple, which caused our friend considerable perplexity and annoyance. The conversation which I have quoted about Barrymore, Sir Henry put on his hat, prepared to go out. But of course they did the same. What are you what are you coming, Watson? he asked, looking me curious way. Depends on whether you're going on the moor, said I. Yes I am. Well you know what my instructions are. I so did true, but you heard how earnest he has insisted. Should not leave you, especially that you should go, not go alone and upon the moor. So Henry put his hand upon my shoulder, pleasant smile. My dear fellow, said he Holmes, with all his wisdom did not foresee some things which will ha- happen uh, have happened since. You've been on the moor, you understand me? I saw you are the last man in the world who had wished to be a spoil's fault. I must go out alone. It put me in a most awkward position. I was at lost what to say or what to do. Before I had made up my mind, he picked up his cane and was gone. When I came to think the matter over my conscience, reproached me bitterly for having any p- pretext allowed him to go out on my on my sight. I imagine what my feelings would be if I had to return to you to confess that some misfortune occurred through my discarded discarded structures. Sure, you my cheeks flushed at the very thought. I might not even be now be late, too late to overtake him. So I set off at once in the direction of Merripit House. I hurried along the road at the top of my speed without seeing anything Sir Henry until came up a point where the moor path branches off. There, fearing that perhaps I had come the wrong direction after all, I mounted a hill which I must could, could command a view, the same hill which cut the dark quarry. Thence I saw him at once. He was on the moor path, about a quarter of a mile off. Lady was on his side, who could only be mistaken. I fear there was already an understanding between them. They had met by appointment. They were walking slowly along in a deep conversation. I saw her making quick little movements with her hands as if uh, if she were earnest in what she was saying, while he listened intently once or twice, shook his head in strong dissent. I stood among the rocks watching them, very much puzzled as what they should do next. I followed them and break their intimate conversation, seeing an outrage, yet my clear duty was never for an instant let him out of my sight. To act a spy upon a friend was a hateful task. Shall I could not see no better course to observe him from the hill. I clear my conscience by confessing to him afterwards. I had done. It's true, if I have any stood any sudden danger, a friend in was too far away to be of use. I am sure that you agree with me. A position was very difficult. There was nothing more that I could which I could do. Our friend Sir Henry and the lady halted on the path and were standing deeply absorbed in conversation. When I stand suddenly Aware that I was not the only witness to their interview, of their interview, a wisp of green floated in the air and caught my eye. Another glance showed me it was carried by a stick by a man who was moving along the broken ground, the staple to move butterfly like. 
He was very much closer to, to the pair than I was. He appeared to be moving in their direction. And this isn't Sir Henry suddenly drew Miss Stapleton to his side. His arm was round her. It seemed to me she was staring away, straying away from him with her uh, face averted. He stooped his head to hers. She raised one hand as if in protest. Next moment I saw them spring apart and turn hurry around. Stapleton was the cause of the inter- interruption. He was running wildly towards them, his third neck dangling behind him. He gestured that almost danced with excitement in front of lovers. But it's what the scene meant I could not imagine. But it seemed to me that Stapleton was abusing his enemies after his explanations, which became more angry. As the others refused to set them, Lady stood by in haughty silence. Finally, Stapleton turned upon his heel and beckoned preliminary way to his sister. Whom, after a resentful glance to Henry, walked off by the side of her brother. Nature's angry gestures showed that Lady was included displeasure. Barnet stood for a minute, looking after them. Then he walked slowly back the way he had come, his head hanging, a very picture dejection. What all this meant I could not imagine, but I was deeply ashamed of having witnessed so limpid at the scene. Without my friend's knowledge, I ran back down the hill, therefore, and met the baronet on the bottom. His face was flushed with anger, his brows were wrinkled like one with his wit's end and what to do. Oh, hello, uh, Watson. What have you dropped from? said he. What well, doesn't mean to say you have come after me in spite of all? Explained everything to him. How I had found it impossible. Remain behind. How I had followed him. How I had witnessed all that occurred. The instant his eyes blazed at me, by frankness disarmed his anger, he broke at last into a rather ruthless laugh. You would have thought the middle of the parry a fairly safe place for man to be private, said he, but my thunder, the whole countryside, seems to have been out, out to see me by, through my wooing, a mighty poor wooing at night. I had, did you gaze your seat? I was on the hill, quite over in the back row, but my brother was well up at the front. You see him come up to, the, up to us? Yes, I did. Did he ever strike you as being crazy, this brother of hers? Can't say he ever did. I dare say not. I always thought him sane enough until today. But you can take it from me. Neither he or I ought to be a straitjacket. What's the matter with me, anyway? You lived here? Lived near me for some weeks, Watson. Tell me straight now. Is there anything that would prevent me from having a, making a good husband to a woman that I loved? I should say not. He can't object to my worldly position. So it must be myself that he's I put his, his down on. What has he against me? I never heard of any man or woman in my life that I know of. Yet he could not do so much as let me touch the tips of fingers. Do you say so? That and a great deal more, I tell you, Watson. I know her a few weeks, from, but from the first I felt she was made for me, and she too. She is happy when she was made for me, and that I swear. Her light in a woman's eyes that speaks louder than words. But he was never let us get together. It was only today, the first time I saw a chance of having a few words alone, dared to meet me. And when she did, not the love that she would talk about, she wouldn't have let me talk about it either. If she could have stopped it, even she could have stopped it. She kept coming back to, to it that this, that this place this is a place of danger. She'd never be happy, so I left it. I told her that since I'd seen her, I was no hurry to leave it. She really wanted me to go. The only way to work it was for her to arrange to go with me. With that, I offered in so many words to marry her. 
Before she could answer down came a brother of hers, running at me with a face like a madman. He was just right with he was worse white with rage. Those light blue those eyes of his were blazing with fury. What am I doing with the lady? How dared I offer the tensions which were distasteful to her? Do I think that because I was a baronet I could have been doing what I liked? He had not been her brother, I should have known better not how to answer him. As I well, as it was, I told him my feelings towards his sister were such as I was not ashamed of. I hoped that she might honour me by coming my wife. I seemed to make the matter no better, so that I lost my temper too. I was in rather more hotly than should perhaps considering that he was standing, he was standing by. So he ended, so ended up by his going off with her, as you saw. And here I am, as badly puzzled as man of any in this country. County. Let me tell me, just tell me what it, what it all means, Watson. I owe you more than I ever could hope to pay. Tried one or two explanations, but indeed I was completely puzzled myself. A friend's title, his fortune, his age, his character, appearance are all in his favour. I know nothing against him, unless it is his dark fate which runs in his family. But that his advances should be rejected by Zabriskie, without any reference to the lady's own wishes, and the lady should have accepted the situation without protest is very amazing. However, other conjectures were set at rest by a visit to Stapleton himself that very afternoon. He would offer apologies for his rudeness of the morning, and after a long study of private interview with Sir Henry, his study had not shot their conversation. The breach is quite healed. They are no, they are to dine. Maribet House next Friday, the sign of it. Don't don't say how he is a crazy man," said Sir Henry. "I don't can't forget the look in his eyes." He ran at me this morning. I must allow that no man could talk could, could make a more handsome apology than he has done. Did he give an explanation to his conduct? Says says everything is well, he says. It's actually enough. I'm glad that you should always stand of value. They've always been together, according to his count. He's been a very lonely man, with only her as a companion. As that, so the thought of losing her was really terrible to him. He had not understood, he said, of becoming attached to her. But when he saw with his own eyes that he really so might be taken away from him, gave him such a shock that for a time, he is not responsible for what he said or did. He was very sorry for all he had passed. At past, he recognised how foolish, how selfish it was. He should have imagined he could hold a beautiful woman like his sister than himself. Whole life. Whole life. If she had wanted said to leave him, he'd rather it was to a neighbour like myself anyone else. But in any case, it was a blow to him, and it would take him some time to compare himself to meet it. He would draw one position upon his part. If I would promise for three months to let the rest at rest, intent with cultivating the French friendship, during the time without shaming the love. Yes, I promise to set the matter rest. There is one of our small mysteries to clear it up. There's something to have touched bottom anywhere in this bog in which we are thundering. In um, hell. Now, why Stephen looked with disfavour upon Sister Suter? Even when the suitor was surrounded with one Sir Henry, now passed on another thread, which was saturated out the tinge, skein and mystery of the stobs and lights. The tear-stained face of Miss Barrymore 
the secret journey of the butler to the western latisse window. Congratulate me, my dear Holmes. And tell me I'm not displeased you as an agent. That you're not going to regret the confidence which you showed me. You sent me down. There are all these things have been done by one night's work being thoroughly cleared. I said by one night's wife's work, but in truth it was two nights. But on my first they drew tiny blank. I sat out with Sir Henry in his rooms till nearly three o'clock in the mo- three o'clock in the morning. No sound of any sort did we hear, except the chiming clock upon the stairs. It was a most melancholy vigil, ended by each of us falling asleep on our chairs. Fortunately we were not discouraged, determined to try again. Next night we lowered the lamp and set smoking cigars without making the least sound. It's incredible how slowly the hours crawled by, yet we helped through it by some sort of impatient interest which the hunter might feel when he, as he watches the trap into which he hopes the game may wander. One struck and two, he had almost for the second day and given it for, up for spare. But in an instant we both sat bolt upright in our chairs we were our weary senses keenly alert once more. We heard a creak and a step in the passage. We distinctly heard it pass along till it died away in the distance. Then a baronet gently opened the door, his door, we set out in the pursuit. Our wedding our men had gone around the court gallery. The corridor was all in darkness. So off we strolled along until we came upon the weather wing. We were there just in time to catch a glimpse. Tall, black bearded figure, his shoulders rounded, tiptoed down the passage. We passed through the same door, therefore, and in the light the candle framed it in the darkness and shot one single yellow beam through the gloom of the window corridor. We shoveled curiously towards it, trying every plank before we dared to put our whole weight upon it. We had taken precaution leaving our shoes but boots behind us. But even so, old bulls snapped to creep beneath our tread. Sometimes it even seemed possible we should hear, fail to hear our approach. However, the man is fortunately rather deaf. He is entirely preoccupied in which he is doing. But at least we reached the door and peeped. When we last reached the door through which he and peeped through, he found him crouched in the window, crowned on his hand, its white tent face pressed against the pane, like he had seen him two nights before. We arranged a plan, no plan of campaign, but the coronet is a man to whom the most direct way is always the most natural. He walked into a room, and he did so. Barrymore sprang up from the window with a sharp hiss of his breath and stood, living, trembling forest, his black eye, dark eyes glaring out of his white master's face. Full of horror and astonishment, he gazed from Sir Henry to me. What are you doing here, said Barrymore? Nothing, sir, said the agent, said Great. Could hardly speak. Shadows sprang up and down from his shaking of his candle. It was the window, sir. I go round at night to see where they are fastened. On the second floor? Yes, sir. All the windows. Look here, Barrymore, said Mr. Henry. Suddenly, we have made up our minds to have the truth out of you. So you will save the trouble to tell sooner rather than later. Now come on, no lies. What are you doing at the window? The fellow looked at us in a helpless way. He rang his hands together like one who is in the last extremity of doubt and misery. Are you going no harm, sir? I'm holding a candle to the window. And why are you holding a candle to the window? Don't ask me, Sir Henry. Don't ask me. I'll give you my word, sir. It's not my secret. I cannot tell it. But if it concerns no one but myself, I will try, try to keep it from you. So an idea occurred to me. 
I took the candle from the chimney behind the butler. He must have been holding it as a signal, said I. Let's see if it had done any answer. How did it if he had done? I have stared out into the darkness of the night. Vaguely, I could discern the black bank, the trees, and the lighter expanse of the moor. The moon was behind the clouds. I given a cry of exhaustion, for a tiny pinpoint of yellow light suddenly transfixed the dark veil. I glowed stealthily in the centre, black squared frame by the window. There is, I said, is a cry. No, no, sir, it's nothing. Nothing all, the panther broke in. I assure you, sir. Move your light across the window, Watson, said Baronet. See that other moves also. Now you ask, do you deny that that is a signal? Come, speak up. Who is your confidant out yonder? And what is conspiracy that is going on? Man's face becomes incredibly defiant. It is my business, not yours. I will not tell. Here, leave my pipe and run away. Very good, sir. I, if I must, I must. You go in disgrace, my thunder. You may well be ashamed of yourself. Your families lived with mine under, for over a hundred years under this roof. I have found your deep, you deep in some dark plot against me. No, no, sir. Not against you. It's a, it was a woman's voice of Miss Barrymore Powlett and my horse truck. Her husband was standing at the door. A bulky figure in a straw skirt might be in the comic where it's not for the tendency of feeling upon her face. We have to go, Eliza. This is the end of it. You can pack all our things, said the butler. Oh, John, John, I brought you to this. It's not it's my doing, Sir Henry, or mine. You've done nothing except for my sake, because I asked him. Step out. Speak out, then. What does it mean? My enemy brother's starving in the moor. You can't let him perish any more. At our gates, very gates. A light is a signal to him that food is ready for him. His light out yonder is to show the spot which we bring it. And your brother is the skate crown bit, sir. Seldom the conventional. That's the truth, sir, said Barrymore. He said, it's not my secret. I could not tell it to you. And now that you've heard it, you will see if it were was a plot. It was not against you. This is then, was the explanation of stealthy expeditions at night. A light at the window. Henry and I both stared at the woman in amazement. Is it possible this stovely respectable person with one of the same blood and one of the most serious criminals in this country? Yes, said. Yes, yes, my name is Selden, and he is, he is my brother, younger brother. He honoured him too much when I was a lad. I gave him his way, way, everything until he came to think the world made of his pleasure. He could do what he liked in it. When he grew older, he met wicked companions and devil entered him. If he broke my mother's heart, I dragged our name into the dirt. From crime to crime, he sank lower and lower, until only the mercy of God which should snatch him from the scaffold. But to me, sir, he's always a little curlier boy. I had nursed and played with an older sister, would. It was a way he broke prison, sir. He knew that I was here, he could not refuse to help him. He dragged himself here one night, very starving, and wouldn't order his heels. What could we do? We took him in and fed him and cared for him. Then he returned, sir. I never thought we safe on the moor, anywhere else, until the human cry was over. He lay and laid in there, but every night he was sick and night. They made sure he was still there, pulling light in the window. If there was an answer, my brother's husband took out some bread and some meat to him. Every day we hoped it was gone, gone, but long as he was there we could not desert him. 
His whole truth is I am an honest Christian woman. You will see that there is no blame. Is, is there is blame in the matter he does not lie with my husband, but with me if I chose, for whose sake he has done all that he has. The woman's words came with intense earnestness, which caused conviction from them. Is this true, Barrymore? Yes, said Henry, every word of it. But I cannot blame you for standing by your own wife. Forgive, forget what I've said. Go to a room, you two. We shall talk further about this matter in the morning. When they were gone, we looked out the window again. Henry playing open in the cold night. Cold night wind beat into our faces. Behind and by, by the black distance, there still glowed that one point of the other light. Dare, yeah, wonder if he dares, said Henry. Said her Henry. It might be so placed to be only visible from here. Very likely, but how far do you think it is? Out by the cliff tall, I think. Not more than a mile or two off, hardly now. However, it's not been far if Barrymore had to carry out the food to it. He's waiting, his vi- he w- he's waiting this villain beside the candle by thunder. Watson, I'm going to take out that man. The second thought that crossed my mind was not if Barrymore had taken us into their confidence. The secret had been false from them. A man with danger of community and unmarried scandal. For whom is it be of pity nor excuse? We are only doing our duty in taking this chance of putting him where he could not do no harm. With brutal and violent nature, others would have to pay the price we held our hands. We held our hands. Any night, for example, their neighbours, the segment might be attacked by him. It might have been the thought of this which made Henry so keen upon the detention. Oh, come, said I. And get your revolver and put on your boots. The sooner we start, the better. The fellow may have put his light and be off. In five minutes, we were outside the door, joined upon the other expedition. We hurried through the dark shrubbery, the dull moaning of the autumn wind, the rustle of the falling leaves, and the night air was heavy, the smell of damp and decay. Now and again, the moor peeped out of its out for an instant. The clouds were driving over the face of the sky. As we came upon the moor, a thin rain began to fall. A light still burned slightly in front. Are you armed? I asked. I have a hunting crop. He was close closer than rapidly. He said he is a desperate fellow. We should take him by surprise, make him have him out have him our mercy for we can exist. I say, Watson, said Baronet. What would Watson Holmes say to this? How about that hour of darkness in which the power of evils is altered? If the answer to his words were rose sunny out of the vast gloom of the moor, strange cry, which I had already heard upon the boulders, great grip had been there, came from the wind from the silence of the right, a long dull mutter, and then a rising howl and unsaid moan, which it died away. Again and again it sounded, the whole air throbbing with its strident, wild and menacing. But it caught my sleeve, his face grew white through the darkness. My God, what's that, Watson? I don't know, it's a sound they, they have on the moor. I've heard it once before. It died away, and that, so an absolute sight closed in upon us. We stood straining our ears, but nothing came. Watson said the barnet, it was a cry of a hound. My blood ran cold in my veins. There was a break in his voice, which told of sudden horror which had seized him. What did they call this sound, he asked. Who? The folk on the countryside. Oh, they're ignorant people. Why should they mind what they call it? Tell me, Watson. What do they say of it? As they but could not escape the question. They say it's a cry of the hound of Bassaville. He groaned and silent for a moment. And it was, he said at last. It seemed to come from miles away. Over yonder, I think. 
It's hard to say whence it came. It rose and fell the wind. Isn't that the direction of the great Brampton Moor? Yes, it is. Love is up there. Come on. Come now, Watson. Don't you think yourself there was a cry of a hound? I am not a child. You need not fear or speak so true. Stephen was with me when I heard it at last. He said it might be calling a strange bird. No, no, it's a hound, my God. Can there be some truth in his story, all those stories? Puzzle and Is he in danger of some so darker cause? You don't believe it, do you, Watson? No, no. And yet there's one thing to laugh about in London. Yet another to stand here in the darkness of the moor and hear such a cry as that. And my uncle, there was a footprint to the other hound at the side of the lay, and all these fits together. Well, all the fits together, don't think I'm a coward, Watson. So, but our very, that very sound seemed to freeze my blurry blood, fill my cold hand with cold as a block of marble. You may be, you'll be all right tomorrow. I don't think I'll get that cry out of my head. What do you advise we do now? Well, we turn back. Now by fun we'll come out to get our man. We'll do it. We'll go after a convict and a hellhound, as likely as not upon us. Come on, we'll lose, see it through. There's a fiends of the pit. We're loose upon the moor. We stumbled slowly along the darkness, along in the darkness, with the black loom and the craggy hills around us. The second and a yellow speck of light burning steadily in front. There's nothing susceptible to the existence of light upon a pitch black night. And sometimes a glimmer seemed to be far away, horizon, and sometimes it might have been within a few yards of us. But at last we could see whence it came. Then we knew that we were indeed very close. A glowing candle was stuck in the crevice of the rocks that flanked, flanked it on its very side, each side of it, to keep the wind from it, most to prevent it from being visible, save the direction of Bassfield Hall. A board of granite concealed our approach and crouching behind it, to gaze over a single light, strange to see this candle, candle burning there in the middle of the moor. There no sign of life near it, just one straight yellow flame, a gleam of rock on either side of it. What shall we do now? whispered Sir Henry. Wait here. We must be near his light. Let us see if we can get a glimpse of him. Words are hardly out of my mouth. Why are we both saw him? Out over the rocks and crevice, which candle burned. They thrust out of evil yellow face, a terrible animal face, all smeared and scored with vile passions, foul with mire, with bristling beard and hung with matted hair. It might have wear well belonged to one of those savages who dwelt in the burrows on the hillsides. Light beneath him reflected his small cunning eyes, which peered fiercely to right and left through the darkness like a crafty savage animal, savage animal that had heard the step of, her hunt, of the hunters. Something eventually roused his suspicions. It may have been at Barrymore that some private signal which he had been neglected to give. The fellow may have had some other reason for thinking all was not well. I could read his fears upon his wicked face. The instant he might dash out of light and vanish in the darkness, I sprang forward therefore and Sir Henry did the same. The same moment the convict screamed a curse to us at us, held a rock which splintered up against the boulder which had sheltered us. I caught one glimpse of his short, squat, strongly built figure, and he sprang to his feet and turned to run. Same moment by lucky chance the moon broke through the clouds, and rushed over the rail of the hill. There was old man running great speed down another the other hill side, springing over the stones in a way its way, the activity of mounting goat. A lucky long shot of my rover, my crepitive, 
by bolting only to defend myself. If attacked, I'd not shoot an armed man who was running away. We were both swift runners in fairly good training. We soon found he had no chance of overtaking him. He saw him for a long time in the moonlight, so he only small step, moving swiftly among the boulders. Upon the side of a distant hill, he ran and ran until he was completely blown. The space between us grew even wilder. Ever wilder. Finally, we stopped, sat panting on two rocks, while we watched him disappearing in the distance. It was this. It was at this moment that occurred a most strange, unexpected thing. We had risen from a rock. We had turned to go home. We had abandoned a hopeless case. The moon was low upon the right. A jagged pinnacle of the granite floor stood up against a low carve of a silver disc. In outline as black as an image statue, on that shining background I saw a figure of a man upon the floor. Tor, do not think it was a delusion, Grams. I assure you that I have never seen in my life anything more clearly. As far as I could judge, the figure was that of a tall, thin man. He stood with his legs, no separate, his arms folded, his head bowed, as if he was brooding over that enormous wilderness of peat and granite which lay before him. He might have been the very spirit of that terrible place. It was not the convict. This man was far from the place where the latter disappeared. Size of a much taller man, with a cry of surprise, pointed him out to the baronet. But in an instant, doing, doing which I turned to grasp his arm, the man was gone. There was no there was sharp pinnacle granite still covering the lower edge of the moon. The peak bore no trace of that silent, motionless figure. I wished to go in the direction of search the tour, but some distance away, Bernard's nerves were still quivering from the cry. We called a dark story his family, but he was not in the mood for fresh adventures. He had not even seen his lonely man upon the moor, but he could not feel the thrill which his presence, his commanding attitude, had given to me. I wonder, no doubt, said he, the moor had been thick with him since his fellow escaped. Well, perhaps his explanation may be the right one, but I should have liked to have further proof of it. Today we mean to communicate to Prince Town people that they stood look they should look for their missing man, that handy lines we had not actually had the triumph of taking him the triumph of being back to our own, our own as our own prisoner. So the adventures of last night you must acknowledge, my dear Holmes, that I have done very well in the matter of the report, which of what I tell you no doubt quite irreverent. I shall feel it best I should let you have all the facts Leave it slightly for yourself, those which you will be of most service to you, in helping you your conclusions. We're certainly making some progress. So far as the barrymores go, we have found a motive for their actions. It has cleared up the situation very much. The more with its secret mystery, the strange inhabitants remains as scrutable as ever. Perhaps in my next in my next I may be able to throw some light upon this also. Best of all would it be if you come down to us? In any case, you will hear from me again, of course, on the next few days.